137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the pixelated paranormal CAD post. The only CAD post with the sheer audacity to talk about balls. Nobody yeah. knows what that means or what that reference is, but that's a special shout out to my buddy Tony and his son Cam. Um, I had a very, very heartwarming. Hold, hold on, everybody. Everybody who's live streaming and watching with, with us should wish this old shit a happy birthday. What are you, 38? <laughs> 39? Uh, 39 now, buddy. 39. Yeah, happy birthday, loser. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, I appreciate you very oh. much. Um, that yeah. little shout out in the beginning of the episode is to my buddy Tony and his son Cam. Um, I got a special message today from Tony and his son wishing me a happy birthday and also thanking us for talking about balls on our CAD post, which is adorable. Uh, apparently, little dude uh, was having a pretty rough... Did we talk about balls on that episode? That was last episode. I don't remember talking about balls. Did we talk about balls? I don't remember talking about ball sacks either, um, but apparently we talked about ball sacks, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, he sent me a little video message saying happy birthday and thanks for talking about ball sacks on the podcast. So little dude is having a pretty rough go at things. Um, a special party got canceled at school and I guess when he got into uh, Tony's truck, it was right around the time we were talking about ball sacks yeah. and saying the word ball sack like 50 times. And Tony said his, his son's attitude turned right around real quick. <laughs> his heart changed. Hey, but Hey, little buddy, if you're listening again, just be thankful you don't live in Lexington, Kentucky. So there's that. Ball sacks. <laughs> ball sacks, ball sacks, ball sacks. Anyway, this is episode 311, Pixelated Paranormal. I, of course, am Sean, and it must be my birthday. So thank you guys all in chat for wishing me the warmest. I appreciate you guys. And uh, we got a fun episode. Preston is now getting down with the Funky Jam, and so I'm going to do the heavy lifting on this episode, but that's okay, because that's what friends do. Well, I don't know if it's like concrete dust, asbestos, if I just like, <laughs> kissed an alien and got space aids, yeah. I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, I'm just like, because <clears throat> I texted you Sunday because we were going to have brunch, and... Uh, uh, I'm just, yeah. you know, I'm like, I, f I feel like death. And then the, the wife was out of town. Uh -huh. She got back home. She was like all excited. And she like kicked open the podcast studio door. She's like, are you, are you back from your lunch date? Did you have fun? And then I just like turned around, looked at her and I said like one word. And she's like, oh my God, you sound like death. I'm like, yeah, I fucking feel like death. But hey, uh, I missed you so much. I, I slept in the bed, so you might as well go wash the sheets so you don't get the space aids either. Love you, and I'll shut exactly. the door. Exactly. So. I like to imagine she kicked open the door, and the crypt, creep, <laughs> crypt keeper turned around and said, Greetings, kitties. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to hold Gross. on a second, though. Speaking of birthdays, I'm going to be out of town for my birthday. And yeah, uh, she got me a yeah. birthday gift. Oh, sweet. So what's, so what's funny is... After she got it, she had to carry it around with her to, like, all these restaurants. And uh, <laughs> so she got me a hand-painted canvas of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio from uh, 
uh, Django Unchained. With his, Amazing. Uh, with, his, with his drink. Oh, that's fantastic, man. I like it. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Um, I, last episode, we talked about how we're going to get back on track for Thursdays. And then uh, we did a Wednesday episode last week. And here we are again on Wednesday because you again have to travel for work. So... God knows, guys, what exactly is going to happen on these episodes. Might be Wednesday, might be Thursday. Audio might drop on funky days for a couple weeks just because we're going to try to figure this thing out so Preston can yeah. record uh, remotely from California. But, yeah, just, we'll figure it out. We're just going to pick it. Well, yeah. Is there, a, is there, like, a time difference between us when I'll be down there? Is there, like, mm-hmm. am I an hour there ahead, is. an hour behind? Oh, gross. Yes, you're two hours ahead of us. No, two hours behind. So right now it would be 7.41 p.m. in California. So we can figure all that out. I mean, yeah, tweak things if we need to for a couple weeks. But, yeah, at the end of the month, um, we're going to have to kind of readdress when we're going to record and all that good stuff. But anyway, that's, that's, you know, future Sean and Preston's problems. That's not the problems we're dealing with right now. And yeah. uh, you talk about birthdays, man. Check out this hat. So my... My niece and brother and sister-in-law got me this really awesome, um, I don't know if you can see it very well. It's a Halloween hat from the old 1978 Halloween they got it for me for my birthday. So I'm super excited about that. And Shayla, yeah, yeah. Shayla got me uh, the Waxwork 2024 uh, record subscription for my birthday, which I was not expecting at all, which is really fucking awesome. You got that kick-ass horse-themed birthday cake. That was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I'll post a photo of that on the Instagram. Um, she got me a really badass cake last year that was Bigfoot traipsing through the woods, and it was like bourbon pecan flavored. And this year she got me a really cool cake that was the theme of The Shining. So it had like the door with red rum on it and blood dripping down the cake, and the top was the uh, orange and red and brown carpet pattern, and it was just fucking awesome. She really outdoes herself every single year, so it's pretty red. Yeah. Well, I got a couple of quick news stories for us before we get into uh, the meat and taters, as Preston likes to call them. First off, in Marion, Indiana, a truck hauling zebras and camels for a... It's, it's a shithole. God damn it, Marion, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> you hate everywhere in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, a truck hauling zebras and camels for a series of weekend circus performances caught fire earlier on Saturday of last week in the northeastern Indiana Highway, prompting police rescue of the animals to be put into effect immediately. And then we just see, of course, a landscape of zebras and camels wandering down a freeway munching on grass. The tractor trailer caught fire around 2 a.m. along Interstate 69 in Grand County, and a state trooper and a Grant County Sheriff's deputy and one third person rescued five zebras, four camels, and a miniature horse by leading them all off of a smoke-filled trailer. Fantastic shit. Good job, everybody. Both officers were treated at a hospital for smoke inhalation and later released, but none of the animals were injured. The truck driver, a 57-year-old Sarasota, Florida man, was also not injured. All northbound lanes of I-69 were closed until about 6.30, about four hours later, once the area was cleaned up and all the animals were taken away via another truck. So good shit all around. Up next, two owners and two members of staff at a funeral home in Valencia in eastern Spain have been arrested for their alleged role in the sale of dead bodies to university research departments. 
The suspects allegedly falsified documentation to get bodies from hospitals and retirement homes in order to later sell them to universities for, quote, research. Fucking greedy bastards. Yeah, they're charging $1,300 per corpse. At least 11 bodies were sold, say the police. The group allegedly targeted foreigners and people without families on a bid not to draw attention to the scam. They're all going to be brought up on charges of fraud and documentation falsification, along with mishandling of corpses. Well, nobody likes Aunt Ethel. She ain't got any family. Let's go ahead and sell her. Probably get about, you know, $500,000. Shit. God, no kidding, man. Well, speaking of circus animals, folks, on this episode, we have one hell of a circus for you of our own. So come one. Come all and gather round because we've got a show for you folks tonight. Hot off of last week's episode where we talked about some of the stranger things lurking around in the state of Pennsylvania. On tonight's show, we're bringing you five of the weirdest and goofiest cryptids that we could find. We've got bug-eyed little grunts, Ugh. tentacled insectoids, bipedal octopuses, and a royal rumble for the ages. So grab yourself a popcorn, maybe some circus penis, oh. penises, circus penises, or peanuts, you choose, and join us. I don't I don't want to know what circus penises taste like, so. You don't always get what you want, so sleep with your mouth closed. Cotton cot candy jizz. Okay, monster number one. <laughs> Contestant number one. Does not look like it tastes like cotton candy and jizz. Mm. Ooh. It, it looks like something that's set inside of a steam room for way too long. We're going to circle back real quick to one animal we talked about last week, and that, of course, is the squonk. This little abomination is one of the most elusive creatures in the world of cryptids, said to inhabit the hemlock forests of North Pennsylvania, where it hides from sight and weeps constantly because of how ugly this little bastard really is. Oh, man, it looks like a walking hemorrhoid. It does, dude. I, I think I've had a couple of those in my day. Mm -hmm. The first written account of the squonk was from the 1910 book Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods, with a few desert and mountain beasts, written by William T. Cox. And according to Cox, the squonk might just be one of the ugliest creatures known to man, and it's said to have a short, snubbed face, two bulging eyes, and a mouth full of crooked, dull teeth that are entirely too big for its mouth. This monstrosity sits atop four short, stubby legs. Its body is covered in sagging, loose-fitting skin covered by warts and moles. Gross. Gross. This thing is so ugly that the creature itself even is aware of its own disappointing appearance and spends most of its existence crying and sobbing at the thought of its own appearance. So much, in fact, it actually leaves a trail of soggy, wet dirt and earth behind it because it cries so much it leaves these great big bulging puddles wherever it goes. And because of its ghastly appearance, the squonk predominantly travels at night in the cover of twilight and dusk. It almost looks like my dog. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. But your dog's so sweet. Yeah. Hunters, however, who are good enough at tracking can follow the squonk by following its tear-stained trail. But when it's cornered or frightened, the squonk has a pretty unusual defense mechanism. You see, this little bastard cries so much when it's scared, it dissolves itself into a puddle of its own tears. Oh. The squonk has also appeared in some popular media. Apparently, 
Genesis, the band with Phil Collins, wrote a song called oh. Squonk from their 1976 album, A Trick of the Tail, which tells a story about a hunter who captures a squonk in a sack only to find a pool of the creature's tears when he opens the bag. It's the only band Phil Collins was good at. Oh, his solo stuff might be better than Genesis. No, get out of here with that. You want to fight? <laughs> Fair enough. The song was inspired by Jorge Luis Borges' Book of Imaginary Beings, which mentions the squonk, among other mythical creatures. Okay, enough about the old stuff. Let's bring in the new, shall we? Continuing on with really creepy, diminutive creatures. We have a cryptid known only as the telepathic football of Chile. <laughs> Oh, all aboard the pixelated paranormal puddle jumper. We're heading to Chile, folks. Our next bizarre beastly is a more modern sighting from back on January 12th, 2002, known only as the telepathic football of Chile. This thing was only witnessed by two individuals, a man named Gene F. and another by the name of Nelson C., both residents of the central area of Villa San Rafael in Calama, Chile. Now, these two dudes were just hanging out, minding their own business, when suddenly they noticed that both their dogs outside were beginning to act strange, howling uncontrollably and whimpering. Then, when Gene got up to look outside to see what was the matter with the dogs, he also noticed suddenly his pet snake had escaped from its cage. So together, he and his friend Nelson journeyed outside to have a look for Jean's beloved serpent companion. They started looking amongst the grass and the rubble and the dirt for the pet snake, when suddenly, about a hundred feet away, they saw what they thought initially might have been a stray dog. So not wanting to be mauled or otherwise attacked, they immediately picked up a handful of rocks and started chucking them towards this creature's direction, just to try to scare the mangy mud away. However, much to their surprise, the animal just stood there, motionless and just staring at them, seemingly without any care in the world or any fear at all. Then the fearless animal began to move towards the two, but its movements and the way it walked towards them was really strange, almost eerie. You see, it used two legs at a time to make short little leaps, a lot like a rabbit. But then, after advancing a few feet or so, suddenly it stopped, and it stood up on both hind legs. And they now noticed that this creature was much shorter than they first had thought, and a lot rounder in shape. Now at first, the two boys were kind of amused, wondering just what this pudgy little thing was. But then both the teenagers began to feel a strange sense of energy slowly building up in the air around them, almost like the oxygen was electrified. Then suddenly they both described a sensation like an electrical shock in both their stomachs. And then, after a few more moments, this thing started to walk towards them again. But this time, it's walking upright on its hind legs. But both the boys said, strangely, they could hear a loud dragging noise behind the creature. And once in a while, it would make a funny little leap into the air, but only from one leg. They thought maybe they might have just hurt this thing when they started launching rocks at it. And now with this thing closer than ever to them, they finally notice 
the weird shape of the creature, which one of them described to be a rugby football with legs, hence the name, the telepathic football. Now, Nelson is mesmerized, and he's just staring at this thing because he's never seen such a strange-looking animal. And according to him, the head was like that of a large dog, but it had a flat nose like a bulldog. The eyes were slanted and pale and red in color, but could only be seen when the creature turned its head from left to right, similar to the way a lizard or a bird does. Its ears were round, but they were also large and flat, and it had arms, which were short, but they bent at the elbow, and they were said to have hands that were very human-like, but only had three fingers. But the legs were like that of a goat, but the feet also had three fingers, but they were all webbed with a membrane similar to that of which a duck would have on its feet, but somewhat shorter. And then it had the feathers of a duck-billed platypus, and then it was also yellow, <laughs> and then also... It also smelled like a skunk, but it wasn't a skunk. But maybe it looked like a deer, but it wasn't a deer. Like, come on, get the fuck out of here with that description. They're like, what else? Hey, Nelson, what else can we throw in there, man? Oh, yeah. You know? You're killing Hold me. Hold on. Yeah. Let's just, let's just keep adding shit. On its curved hunchback, they were able to also notice a spinal section covered with Amounts of even thicker, coarse hair, remembering, um, sorry, it reminded them of that of a pig's fur, with thicker hairs growing in small, separated sections down its spinal cord, pointed downwards. Most of the hair was gray, but the snub tail had a white tip. They said the tail itself was three times thicker than that of a dog's, but only five centimeters in length. And then, suddenly, without warning, both boys heard the same message seemingly telepathically beamed into their heads, telling them both, don't stare, just run away. And that's exactly what they both did, and that would be the last time anybody saw the telepathic football of Chile. Oh. Yeah, I'll see your squonk and raise you a telepathic football pug. Moving on from strange diminutives, we're going to go over to the crazy critter of Bald Mountain photo of this one's not as good but whatever yeah here's the thing too i should have mentioned this at the very top of the episode i found the most used photos of these creatures but not a lot of times do you find the actual artist credit for who drew these so if anybody sees these and knows the original artist shoot us an email pixelatedparanormal.com and we'll give them the appropriate call outs and a recognition on the instagram and everything else but for now I can't tell you who drew them, so I mean, from one artist to another, I'm sorry. But this one looks like a sketch that Steve might have done. I <laughs> Man, know. I miss that. I miss having Steve mm -hmm. on here and having him draw the, uh, the cryptid encounters. Anyway, this one's fun, but also strange in the fact that it's not like the usual monsters that we hear about that stalk the side of the roads, because this one is insect-like instead of being more of a normal hairy hominid that we're used to hearing about. So the story starts up on November 14, 1974, when a fiery object is witnessed in the sky and said to have crashed down to earth near Bald Mountain in Lewis County, Washington. Then, within about a week of the event, two separate parties in the area both reported encountering a strange creature. This bizarre beauty is said to be about horse-sized, with a body covered with scales, not fur, 
and is said to stand on four rubbery legs that have suckers that run across both all four of the feet and up the shins, similar to that of an octopus's tentacles. The head was football-shaped with antennas sticking up, very similar to that of a praying mantis, but it had a squid's beak instead of the normal mandibles that you'd see on an insect. Many eyewitnesses said that it gave off this strange, eerie, green, iridescent light as well. It was then reported again by multiple motorists during the evening of night, <laughs> sorry, November 17, 1974, about 20 to 40 miles east of Chileas, or sorry, Chehalis, Washington, near the Newacom Lake, an area that consists of about 15 different mountain peaks. But it was a Seattle grocer named Ernest Smith whose eyewitness testimony of the crazy critter caught more attention across local newspapers. See, back on November 17th of 74, Ernest Smith was deer hunting with a friend out near Bald Mountain when he stumbled across an immense animal so utterly unique that he hypothesized this thing must hail from out of this world. And yet another detailed report was actually published back in 1978 in a volume of Jim Brandon's Weird America with another couple known as Mr. and Miss Roger Ramsbaugh, who both saw something very similar that matched Smith's description of the same creature in question. And according to the official publication, the pair were driving along State Route 70, nearly 60 miles worth of road that stretches between Morton and Tacoma, when they suddenly noticed a dull glow near the side of the road. The light, of course, confused the two, and so they slowed down for a better look at what they assumed to be a neon sign of a frog. Innocent enough. Yeah. But it was then that the Rams' boss got the shock of their lives when they spied the same large, self-illuminated, tentacle-bearing monstrosity that Smith had seen just days before. Now, after reports of the creature hit local papers, the sheriff of Lewis County, a Mr. William H. Weister, began an investigation into the supernatural sightings. But in a strange twist that will come to no shock to any of us, his inquiry was allegedly halted suddenly by a group of individuals coming to town that claimed to represent both NASA and the U.S. Air Force. That's right, folks. He was soon visited by heavily armed men claiming to be from the U.S. Air Force. They insisted on taking over the investigation from him. That would be the last time anybody heard of the crazy critter. I feel like this was like range for Harry before it got all irradiated. I'm like, yeah. Did we do a deep dive into Range 4, Harry? I know he keeps coming up, but did we ever do, like, a nice deep one? No, because I don't think any of us bought okay. the book that, like, talks about it. So that's, like, on my list. Like, I fucking just love that story. Guy I know, works me on too. The Air Force Base. Goes out into a desert, and all of a sudden this horse is like, my skin's falling off. I'm a talking horse, but I'm also <laughs> an alien. My name's Harry. <laughs> you're just like, what the fuck? So there's some peyote involved in this? like <laughs> Right, glow sticks left over from Burning Man. Yeah, what drugs are you doing, yeah. dude? Fucking share. Come on, man. We'll have to do an episode about irradiated cryptids one of these days soon. Yeah. Well, keeping up with the theme of tentacled cryptids, we're going to move over to something I love called... The Indescribable Octoman. Now, the picture we're going to throw up there, I do believe, came from a really cheesy, like, 1950s horror movie, but you get the idea. Yeah, it's just like 
the Japanese Godzilla movie. Like, oh, Godzilla's attacking the city. Very similar to that of a kaiju, yeah. I'll find out what movie that is. I'll, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll identify it. A truly bizarre cryptid that was reportedly seen by at least five different witnesses on the shores of the Ohio River. On a night much like tonight, Preston, so much in fact that the first appearance took place at the end of January itself, but back in 1959. This creepy aquatic cryptid is described by the majority of the witnesses that saw it as a sickly, slimy, gray-skinned being with a weird, hairless, globular-shaped head that's layered with uneven bulges of fat described like cellulite lobes running up and down its skull. It sits on what's described as a very uneven chest, and from that sprouts four frightening tentacles, said to whip about frantically up and down, back and forth in every direction. And what makes it even more strange, though, is that this creature is said to walk on two muscular human-like legs. But then again, it doesn't so much walk as it does lumber in uneven, unsteady strides. The creature was first sighted near the town of New Richmond by an anonymous man who describes the creature as <gasps> indescribable. His report was initially met with skepticism by the police, of course, until suddenly a second caller, a truck driver, phoned in soon after with a very similar sighting. Clearly, you need to talk to Nathan and Chili if you're having a hard <laughs> yeah. time with your sighting being indescribable because those motherfuckers right. came up with a whole fucking like dictionary thesaurus you know <laughs> paragraph yeah. for their fucking pug football and you're just like it was a tentacle man that's all i got it was indescribable i was so scared yeah somebody's overweight pug got loose and they were never you know used to seeing pugs over there despite some of the officers dismissing the initial reports as mere pranks a number of dispatchers, including a guy named Frank B. Heisler, stated that those making the reports to him sounded legitimately frightened and completely sober. And in a strange twist of events, as more reports of the creature began to flood in, suddenly all the streetlights along the main avenue from Lunkin Airport down to Coney Island, Ohio, were suddenly and unexpectedly blacked out. Then on January 30th of 1959, the Cincinnati Post and Time Star pub published an article titled, Driver Swears It Happened, River Monster Takes a Stroll on Bridge. And the article also included testimony from a man who was identified simply as a scientist. This scientist asserted that on the morning following the uproar, he himself was driving across the Liking River a tributary of the Ohio River that spits off into Kentucky, when he noticed something leap onto the bridge. That same morning, or perhaps the night before, the accounts are exasperatingly sketchy about correlating specific times and sightings, but a young woman claimed to have seen the thing in a creek near the Fort Thomas pumping station near the Ohio River in Kentucky. She was the first witness to compare the creature to an octopus. And another automobile driver, a Mr. George Wagner, claimed to have seen a huge two-legged creature walking on a bridge over the Ohio River sometime later in February near Covington, Kentucky. And another article came out soon after in the Cincinnati Post and Time Star with a new tantalizing title. What is it? Monster churns up the Ohio! Beneath it, the equally intriguing subheading reading... Anyone missing an indescribable monster that can swim? 
Anyway, the Octoman, with its unusual hybrid-like features, became the subject of many theories. Some people speculated it's a new amphibious species unknown to science. Others suggested that it might have been a lost alien, an unlikely human-animal-plant hybrid, or even related to other local cryptids in the area, like the uh, Loveland Frogmen or the Green Clawed Beast. In the midst of the chaos, anyway, sparked by many claims of monster sightings, a dispatcher from Clearmont County suggested the witnesses may have been mistaking simply trees bobbing in and out of the water for the octopod creature. Well, for the last bizarre cryptid, we have Trunko. Oh, man. Now, this this looks like a artist's rendition. If Steve was formerly trained, this would be a sketch <laughs> that Steve would produce. Okay, we have Trunko, a.k.a. the Margate Monster. And hold on to your pants, guys, because speaking of kaijus, we have a battle for the ages. I wonder if I'm not wearing pants. What do I, what do I, what do I hold on to? I'm not either. Keep your shirt on, then. Okay. Jump in the time machine with me here. Let's go back to October 25th, 1924. The Roaring Twenties were the lives of the people of Margate would be forever changed when they witnessed one of the most epic nautical battles of all time. Now, Margate is a pleasant seaside town on the south border of KwaZulu-Natal. A normally peaceful and beautiful area, flooded with tourists who come to visit for the summer months, found itself to be fairly barren of tourists on that fateful October afternoon. Being the off-season, it comes to no surprise that only a handful of locals and a sprinkle of tourists got to lay witness to a three-hour-long maritime death match for the ages, or at least up until the Roaring Twenties. On that fateful Saturday afternoon, the waters of the Indian Ocean began to thrash violently, and then out of nowhere, three ginormous aquatic creatures battled it out against one another in an unexpected and unexplainable death match. But this is no ordinary triangle match, folks. No, this is a monstrous two-on-one brawl. In the blue corner, witnesses said they saw two, count them, two killer whales, or possibly orcas. But in the red corner, the single contender a solitary, indescribable beast later dubbed the Margate Monster, a.k.a. Trunko, a creature of which the likes had never been seen by anyone before. But on that day, the locals of Margate Beach marveled at a WWF-style battle between the mysterious cryptid and its two aquatic attackers. Witnesses described Trunko as having a large, bizarre-shaped body, which was covered in a thick, shaggy, brilliantly bleached white coat of hair nearly eight inches long. It had an elongated trunk-like appendage that ended in a snout similar to that of a pig. However, oddly outside of the weird trunk, it otherwise had no definable head or neck area. But it did have a tail, a giant tail the shape of that of a lobster. But stranger yet is the fact that the beast had reportedly not a single scale or fin on its body. But all in all, the beast was said to be 47 feet long, 10 feet wide, and about 5 feet tall. You know, from belly to back. Ooh, girthy. Yeah, yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah. At one end, it had a trunk about 14 inches in diameter and 5 feet long. Anyway, like I said previously, the fierce battle ensued for an overwhelming three hours. 
With speed and agility and their razor-sharp teeth on their side, the two whales made one hell of an onslaught, jumping out of the water, tearing chunks of fur and skin off of old Trunko. But don't worry, folks, because Trunko held his own. And the locals reported the creature used its massive tail to propel itself up and out of the water, launching itself sometimes nearly 20 feet into the air. And once airborne, it would then whip around and use that giant lobster tail to quickly lash the orcas across the face like one giant bitch slap. The battle waged on the beach, soon becoming a bloody battlefield. But sadly, at the end of the day, exhaustion and two worthy opponents got the better of our dear friend Trunko. After the battle ended, it appeared the killer whales had been just that, killers, victorious, because a lifeless body of the gigantic woolly beast had been washed upon the shores, apparently dead. The creature's bulbous furry remains lay there for ten days after the onslaught. And after that amount of time, you can probably guess what happens next. Of course, being sun-bleached, heating up out there on the side, even though it's October, it's still pretty warm, the corpse started to swell up and started to get kind of stinky. In the attempt to move the animal's body, a team of 32 oxen were assembled on the beach, and although they were mighty, the oxen couldn't seem to get the corpse of old Trunko to budge an inch, let alone get moved to the water. But then something else strange happened, apparently. After that ten days of being beached, the corpse of the mysterious creature had disappeared. Although the beast left the shores of Margate only ten days after the initial sighting, the tale was far from over. See, the international media caught wind of the brilliant creature and the battle which it had ensued between that of a creature that was indescribable and two bloodthirsty orcas. And on the 27th of December, 1924, an article entitled Fish Like a Polar Bear was written and published in London's Daily Mail. Then, the next year, the Elwood, Indiana Call Leader newspaper printed a story entitled Whales Are Slain by a Hairy Monster. Now, the piece was written by an in-house journalist who kept the story short and to the point, but interestingly enough, in this article... The creature doesn't die, and instead actually is said to have killed both whales. <laughs> then the story says Trunko made its way to the shore and then proceeded to rest for ten days until locals saw it finally gather itself up and make its way back into the water, where it then reportedly swam in a southerly direction. So as it turns out, no one really knows what happens to Trunko. Did it die? Did the bloated corpse simply eventually get swallowed by the high tide and get carried back out to sea? Or perhaps maybe our burly behemoth simply took a ten-day nap on the beach and finally gathered up enough strength to swim off into the sunset. Yeah, I know what I, I know. What I can tell you is that <laughs> Here the we fucking go. people are like, the monster was indescribable. And then they go on for the next, like, five minutes and they describe what it looked like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a fucking oxymoron right there, you idiots, because you you can't call it indescribable in one second and then go on to actually describe it. Like, if it's indescribable, you're like, I, I don't know how to put it into words. It, it I don't know. It was the thing, man. That's indescribable. If you're like, well, it was kind of <laughs> like a whale, but it had the trunk of an elephant, but it also had, like, the fur of an otter. That You just described it, so it's not indescribable. <laughs> fucking 1920. That's why we had a Great Depression, right? Because of people like that. <laughs> God damn it. 
But you also got to think a lot of these creatures are being, you know, discovered in air quotes or seen on the side of roads. Back when, you know, Marvel Comics and DC, you know, detective comics are making their way into the zeitgeist. And we have people like Jack Kirby and Stan Lee who are naming everything spectacular and amazing and, you know, incredible and all these different words. So like, yeah, we're going to gather headlines by using these gigantic adjectives because it's what sells, dude. It's going to sell papers because some little dork's going to be like, oh, my God, mom, look, the indescribable Octoman. Can you buy me a paper? And she'll be like, yeah, shut the fuck up <laughs> and then buy a paper. So I don't fault them for using those words. You know, I think that's kind of fun. But you do got a point. And with that point ends our little dive into some of the lesser known but still bizarre indescribable cryptids that we've come across thus far. Yeah, fuck you. Hey, you didn't have any speaking parts, man. You didn't have to bust out the modulator this time, so you should be thanking me. Yes, I should. Because I'm starting to feel <laughs> the pressure build up in the middle of my forehead. I'm like, God dang it. Oh, man, I can't have you pass out on me, buddy. That's not going to do. That's simply will not do. Well, again, we want to thank everybody for joining us, Lisa and Lazarus and Fire Pixie and everybody else. We sure appreciate you guys. We haven't heard any uh, hate mail oh. yet from Lexington, Kentucky, so we're doing all right. Yeah. Little 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 Kenny Poo just texted me. He's like, quit vaping because uh, that's your smoking coughing. No, it's because uh, I have the space uh, AIDS. Be. That's could why be. I'm coughing. Yeah. Although it could be because it's a smoker's cough. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You choke, you smoke, you croak. That's very true. I'm going to sit between both of you and yeah. say you're both probably right. It's probably your space aids being exacerbated by the fact that you vape uncontrollably. Yeah. Well, folks, if you're on the old social medias, please give us a follow on Instagram at PXLParanormal. On Facebook, we are The Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Preston, has the needle moved yet on any of our video streaming services? Uh, we're up to like 19 on, uh, Rumble. We're, uh, five or six on Kick. I don't know. Let me, let me go over to YouTube. Uh, 302 subscribers. Sorry, I'm a little quick with the digits, man. Sorry. Oh, so we gained two. Booyah! We gained two more. Look at that. Yeah. Now you can apologize to our buddy Sean, uh, a.k.a. Karadoc, the three-foot-tall paladin that we fight with. Nah. Anyway, that's awesome. Um, I can't wait to keep growing that, man. This has been a lot of fun. He, he's He's got unpaid Hobbit support. He's got to figure out how to pay and whether or not we're going to do it with him. <laughs> that's true. That's Dip very into true. the group, group funds. Well, we're going to have to figure out how to stream things whilst you're gone. You'll be out of town for about three weeks. So we're going to do our best to try to scream, uh, to scream, to stream um, we're not sure how that's going to work necessarily. So we may just have audio for a couple weeks. I don't know. It's going to be kind of tricky. Yeah. Cause Presto has a lot of gear to pack up. So we'll do some investigation. We'll uh, put our heads together with Lazarus and see if there's a way to do this remotely via like an iPad or something. Yeah. I'm thinking, I think OBS has a, an app on the, uh, for the iPad. So I think I can download OBS on the iPad and then still upload everything to, uh, restream. Uh, okay. it just, there won't be, uh, oh, you know, I'll be in a hotel room, so the audio might not be great, mm -hmm. but fuck it. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, what else am I going to do? I'm going to be in a hotel room by myself. <laughs> right, right. We'll give it the old college try. Uh, Fire Pixie said she knows it's a spooky and paranormal channel, but do we ever do true crime? Uh, she worked with a serial killer for about two years. Fun fact. 
Uh, yeah, please. We got to hear about this, uh, Fire Pixie. We've done a tiny bit of true crime. Um, just like the paranormal world, there's a shit ton of true crime podcasts. We kind of stay in our own lane. But yeah, we've kind of delved into it a little bit. And there are some stories I want to cover eventually that kind of err on the side of the paranormal and the supernatural. So um, we'll kind of get into it. And some stories really cross over nicely, like that story of... Um, Oh, I just lost his name. The doctor, the doctor who, um, Carl, Carl Tanzer, um, who kidnapped the body or corpse napped the body of his beloved and then stayed with her for all those years and, you know, made a paper towel roll and stuck inside of her nether region and continued to have copious amounts of, um, post-mortem copulation, AKA necrophilia with the body. So, I mean, to us, that kind of crossed over nicely. So, yeah, we definitely, A, got to hear about your story, Fire Pixie, so send that shit in ASAP, and then, um, yeah, we'll delve into a little bit of true crime, as long as there's a little bit of a spin on it, you know, I don't mind covering that kind of stuff, it's pretty cool, but yeah, if it's a story from you, um, our friend and listener, man, we got to hear that shit, for sure. If you need a beard, if you want yep. a beard, or want to grow a beard, if you want the best damn beard possible, just do, do yourself a favor. Go over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. Pick yourself up some scents like Bay Rum, Fresh, Citrus, Mint, Classic, and Sweet Tobacco. You'll look good. you feel good. You won't be like a squonk. You know, maybe you're upset because you got that nickname in high school because you're wrinkly and ugly and you cry all the time. And it's because you need daubs in your face. So maybe you're tired of circus penises. Well, fix it. Put some daubs in there and you won't have to deal with it. Get it all. Get it at daubs. Use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. Again, that's promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Uh, that's yeah. what you get. Uh, that's what you hey, get. Hey, I'll take it, man. Yeah. I will definitely take it. Cool. If you're in the Wichita area, stop by, see Leslie and the rest of the gang, CD Trade Post, Pawnee, and Seneca. Also check out the Paranormal Egg Experience Food Truck and Paranormal.cafe. Okay, buddy, go take yourselves a NyQuil. Yeah. And we will catch all you guys next time around. Until then, though, I'm going to raise this jam jar full of water and say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. Stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.